1: sift pop podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience
2: live from a bunker in the heart of the ozarks we would never call someone a trash panda ever because that's just rude it's sift pop it's way way worse <laughs> it's way way bad Welcome to SIF Pop Streaming Live on Mixlr every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Uh. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. I'm joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! Every week we'll be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And our guru today, from the Sincast and CinemaSins, it's Chris Atkinson. Hello. How's everybody doing? <laughs> is this like a Mr. Roger Sif Pop uh, smash up, you know?
1: Yes, it is.
2: Do you have your cardigan on, throwing your shoes, you know, changing out of your work
1: clothes? Will you be my I'm guru? Just casually, I'm just casually laying truth bombs on the children watching my show. <laughs> <laughs> Won't <clears throat> you
2: be my guru? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It's going to be a good show. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. We're going to uh, chat a little bit about best ever Chris Pratt movies. And of course, we've got uh, Buried Treasure as well. But first, before we do anything else, we like to do a little bit of Do We Care?
3: Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. And I report back to you and we decide whether or not it is worth talking about. Number one HBO has hired four writers to separately write off or write spinoffs for Game of Thrones. So after this main story concludes, the series will still continue. HBO says it is in no rush for these writers to finish. They want it to be as good as the show is now.
2: Interesting. I I actually hadn't heard this at all. So they're hiring four different writers Uh, to just take a shot at what a spinoff would be of Game of Thrones.
3: Because I don't know if you know, there are spinoff books. There's like The Hedge Knight and other like pre- Like, stuff that happens before Game of Thrones. Written by the same guy? Yeah, still George R.R. Martin. Okay. There's, like, like the Hedge Knight, and uh, I can't remember what the other... But there's, like, three of them, so there's actually content there for them to take, you know, you know, away from and just work their way from there.
2: So this isn't like when Joey had a spinoff of Friends, like... Uh,
3: yeah, I guess not. Maybe. Who am I to say, though? (laughs) You know, there could very well be a... uh, a Hound spinoff. I
2: was going to say, which character would you like to see have their own show, and what kind of show would it be? Podrick. What kind of show would that be?
3: Mm. Um, I don't know. Just to No, I I'll take that back, because I just realized what that character does. So, <laughs> taking it back. I, I think, actually, you know what? I think the Hound would be, actually, a pretty fun uh, I just want him to say Yarp in the show once.
2: Yarp? Yarp. I want him to say Yarp once in the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need. What about you, Chris? Are you a Game of Thrones guy?
1: Yeah, yeah. I've seen the uh, the series um, a couple of times, actually, now. I've uh, 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 watch, watched it, like, regular, you know, like, every season. But then I've watched it back-to-back, you know, sort of uh, binged it or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if anybody has, after this story, like, who would really have a good side? You know, I, I don't know. Because everybody seems to be kind of tied to this story and then mm-hmm. what do they do after that uh is it's a tough one for me to to try to figure out who would make a good um you know a good spinoff but uh i mean everybody's going to want peter dinklage to try to continue on i have a feeling you know it's yeah sort of that's sort of like the i think that i think that would be the popular choice although If the if this uh, if this is going the way everybody thinks it's going, then he might be, you know, he might be a part of the royalty by the end of it. He's not going to have much to do after that. So
2: I will tell you this: I am so excited for Game of Thrones to come back. I cannot wait to see how they finish this out. I think you're totally right, Chris. Uh, I totally get the. The appeal of, of prequels, right? Because with a prequel, you don't have to worry about uh, the fact that so much has already come to a dramatic conclusion and then trying to figure out, well, you know, how is how is there anything but something that's, um, you know, that doesn't feel like the, the 13 different ends of Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? Like yeah, where it's right. like, it just, you don't need anything else. And somebody in the chat actually said, I miss the days when things could just come to an end. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I think there's some truth there too. It's like, you know, Tell a great story, but if it were a prequel, I'd like to see some of the. St- what was the character? Was it? Was he? Is he called the Viper? What was yeah. the the one who oh, yeah. he was real? I loved that character. I yeah. just wonder what you know, like what his story is, where he's been, whether it's you know prequel stuff or whatever. I don't know. That's one I well, thought and he's,
1: of. And he had uh, he has a pretty great backstory as far as what they've said in the show. Right? He's he's very important to the the story as a whole. Uh, we just get just some side, you know, we just get some sort of, you know, exposition about it or whatever. But a lot of what he is is tied to, you know, a lot of the surprises of the show. So, yeah, um, he would be an awesome character to follow around. I thought of one. So they're always talking about the Mad King Targaryen. Yeah.
2: I think that would actually Ooh, be something yeah.
3: pretty fun to watch. You know, the reign of the Mad King.
2: Yeah. I kind of figure that out. Yeah. Uh, The many faced yeah, man, definitely. the many faced man was oh, mentioned in the really chat.
1: Cool oh, ooh, yeah, that's a good one. So yeah, sure. some good stuff there. Yeah, I would I, I would say that out of, you know, if they're going to have uh, somebody you're going to have four people go off and and make, you know, and write scripts and everything. I sort of trust HBO on this. Um, cause I, I think they would be able to, I think they would be able to come up with something good out of this. Although you're right. I mean, it's, uh, or, you know, one of your, uh, uh, listeners is right. You know, why can't it just end? You know, it's, it's great if it would just end, but HBO has, has a pretty good track record. And if they're going to, if they're starting now and they're trying to get something for, you know, a couple of years from down the road, i I'm, I would trust them on that.
3: So here's a question for you, Aaron. Did Breaking Bad end? Yeah. Because Better Call Saul's going on right now.
2: See, I think that's the perfect example of how to do it. Like it's yeah. it's prequel, so it doesn't you know doesn't feel anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, although it does touch on Saul's life after Breaking Bad, and it's a character that wasn't fully you know understood in the show itself or fully expanded. So that's a great backstory to hear um, with Better Call Saul, which I love uh, yeah. and am loving this season. Uh, I still think, especially this season, I still think they're trying too hard to tie into some of the breaking bad characters but i love what they're doing with saul and his brother like that's just man the story work there is so good that
3: is the main reason why i watch the show is that dynamic between those two yeah number 2 this really isn't you know entertainment world based but it is something before i say what's going to happen here it has a happy ending okay okay uh, yesterday, or two days ago, I should say by now, two days ago, a school in Wisconsin was evacuated after a parent saw someone entering a school wearing dark clothing and a mask. Turns out it was a little kid celebrating May 4th. He was dressed as Darth Vader. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm.
2: I don't know. I mean, that's just a funny yeah. story.
3: Yeah, I don't, I like, it's, it was a slow news
1: week, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's the time we live in, right? I uh, mean, it's, it's hard not to... Cast suspicion on anything that you see that's just a little bit out of the ordinary, and um, at working at a movie theater, uh, at the day after the Dark Knight Rises thing happened. Oh yeah, um, almost. It, there was a there was a certain just you know maybe it's just me projecting or whatever, but there was a certain eerie sense of like quiet about people going to watch movies and then of course we got somebody who came out and said that somebody's acting really weird in this one auditorium and everything and it it happened to be a regular who had special needs Mm. um but you know it was one of those type of things where everybody's just like really heightened on everything and they just they had to report on whatever because you know you never know and everything so you know i, I yeah that is a it is a funny story it's also something un, i think unfortunately um, we we're probably gonna have to deal with a lot of that so
2: yeah yeah you'll have the kids will just have to change into their darth vader outfits once they're inside the school exactly. so everybody yeah. is supervised <laughs> yeah Absolutely. Exactly. And and uh because of the subject matter i decided to let by the uh the pun that you were projecting as a projectionist, I thought that was that was very, uh, oh. very interesting. <laughs> you might right. be projecting,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yep, right. No, you you are correct to <laughs> think that. Uh, think of that pun. Number three,
3: a potential miniseries entitled "Shattered" is in the works based off the book. It is about Hillary Clinton losing the twenty sixteen presidential election. Already, already, and I think I think uh, FX is going to pick it up, kind of like the. Uh, uh, what was the People vs OJ, yeah, the o. J. American Horror Story? Oh. I think it might be one of those American, American Crime Horror, Story. American actually. Crime Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, this so, it, depending on your uh your leniencies and your party affiliations, it might be American Horror Story. It depends <laughs> on who you are. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But already it's been yeah. six months, and they're already thinking about doing this. <sighs> yeah, I don't,
1: I don't, I'm not surprised. I mean, you know, I mean HBO has gone through almost every single like big moment. In American politics, they've made a movie out of it. Uh, there's like you know, there's Sarah Palin. There's the there's the ha- the housing bubble. There's all you know the the realist you know the um, financial crisis. All that they've done something on on almost every one of those. Um, and maybe they took a couple years to to really sort it out. Uh, you know who knows how long it'll take for them to make such a series for FX, but. Maybe they'll have some distance by the time it comes out. I
2: was talking with somebody about this recently. I think our entertainment culture is trying to, and I think there's real negatives to this and a few positives to this, but I think our entertainment culture is trying to pick up the slack of our news culture because you know people aren't as apt with as many different news sources there are, and I put news in quotes with a lot of those. Um, mm-hmm. that what is real, what isn't real. And I think entertainment culture is saying, hey, we can be, quote unquote, kind of journalistic and put this stuff on the screen and we're going to make it entertaining. So I don't know. It's It's interesting. It's almost the reverse of what like The Daily Show was, right? The Daily yeah. Show was like, we're going to take news and we're going to make it entertaining. And what Hollywood seems to be doing right now is taking entertainment and then, you know, putting news in it. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting way that we're getting our information because what I'm curious about is, you know, are those details that I didn't know about the story? And here's the thing with a the movie, they make some of that stuff up. Like it's just yeah, dramatization. Yeah. So it's it's hard to know because uh, true stories aren't always true stories. That's why I like I like documentaries. You know, that are closer to the the moment than actual yeah. entertainment. Yeah. For me.
3: And then before Dark Tower trailer came out. No, I'm joking. Um,
2: <laughs> yep, that's gonna wrap it up for Do We Care. You can talk about the Dark Trailer t- I mean I, the Dark Trailer. Yeah. The Dark Tower uh trailer if you want. I know you're really pumped about that movie.
3: Uh well, my uh hesitancy and like the stuff I was nervous about yeah. was like right there in the trailer, so now I'm still just as, if not more, nervous. So So you're still pretty nervous yeah, about I'm still it? Pretty nervous. I have
1: not I have not seen this trailer yet, but um I've heard nothing but eh across the board about it. Here's um
3: this might sound spoilerish, but I saw a lot a lot of stuff that was never in the books. Yeah. So I mm-hmm. can and there's people saying like well it's a, it's about this over here I'm like that's that's a it's a that's Hollywood making a cop out to where they don't have to make the books. So I mm-hmm. don't want to get in I don't want to say too much because it does get into spoiler territory so Sure. But uh, the action scenes look cool,
2: but I don't want this to be an action movie. <laughs> so it's hard, right? It's hard when you love the source material, right? As much as me. Because well, yeah, especially when you really love the source material of something, it's really hard for them to get it right. That's one of the the most amazing things that I think is often overlooked about Lord of the Rings is how vehemently people love the source material, and yet still those movies were well accepted. By even yeah. a lot of the hardcore fans, even though they changed some things, left some things out, like that's tough to do when you have that kind of deep care for source material.
3: Well, you got to think with Lord of the Rings, half of those books were songs. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I don't want to watch a musical Lord of the Rings. So I'm. Thank you, Peter Jackson, for that one.
2: Lord of the Ring tones. <laughs> Lord. Oh
3: my gosh. Yes. That's
2: that's gonna wrap it up for Do We Care? All right, uh, let's move on to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. fate of the universe lies on your shoulders
1: now whatever you do don't push this button because that will set off the bomb immediately and we'll all be dead now repeat back what I just said I am Groot no, no that's the button that will kill everyone try again I am Groot mm-hmm. I am Groot uh huh
2: no! Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Peter Quill and his fellow Guardians are hired by a powerful alien race called the Sovereign to protect their precious batteries from invaders. After a poor choice, the Sovereign dispatch their armada to search for vengeance. As the Guardians try to escape, the mystery of Peter's parentage begins to be revealed Uh, guardians of the galaxy the first one how long ago was the first one it's like three years uh,
1: 2014 or 2015
2: yeah Yeah. I I was thinking it was I was thinking it was three years ago 2014 2014 the original one comes out three years later uh, you know following up a huge monetary hit a huge critical success trying to see if they can kind of live up to all that stuff Uh, let's talk about it let's first just really quickly did you like it love it it was just okay dislike it or hated it uh andrew you first
3: man i loved the first guardians of the galaxy so much and this was one of the movies i had pegged to be one of the best of the year
2: but honestly i'm in between okay
3: and liked it all
2: right so you're you're kind of on the Uh, like the disappointed wanted to love it but i just liked it train yeah
3: okay actually in between okay and liked it so okay even worse than i thought
1: okay what about you chris Total agreement with Andrew there. Damn.
2: Total agreement. All right. Aaron? Uh total disagreement. I loved it.
1: Okay. Well, I, good.
2: I had so much fun at this movie. And maybe I'll start there because I think that's Marvel's trump card. I really do. Marvel gets how just to to give you a fun experience, like even if parts of it fall apart, you know, in certain ways or or whatever, like, you know, when you go to a Marvel movie, like I'm going to have this goofy grin on my face because it's funny, <laughs> it's clever, it's, you know, fun to look at. Um, I just I just had a blast. I loved it. I mean, I'm excited to hear some of your negatives uh, because I, I know one. I know I miss that stuff when I get on like a movie high. And right from the beginning, I was on a movie high on this one, and I just, you know, I fell in love with it. So Yeah, I have five negatives. I I probably had my purple-colored glasses on in watching this one. So Aaron, you loved it. Why don't you start us off with some pros? I can absolutely do that. Like I said, it's it's really fun. Uh, I think the visuals are absolutely spectacular. I said in my review, I feel like it gives Doctor Strange a run for its money in the visuals department. Uh, And I don't just mean, like, the action visuals. I mean the way these scenes were framed... The way they used colors, it was very artistic. It's one of the things I love about this franchise is that it's it's interesting because it's this goofy, quirky, silly kind of movie, and yet they're they're doing things both in the emotion department and in the artistic department that you would think of would be more for you know kind of a higher uh, you know standard kind of movie. So uh, I thought the visuals were were absolutely spectacular. What did you think?
3: Soundtrack. Just as awesome as the first one. I love soundtrack Mm -hmm. in this one. Um, I don't know who they hired, you know, to pick that playlist, but they nail it with both movies, so kudos on that front. Yeah. Because the movie, or the music in these movies is so vital that it's, you know, it's a character. The music is character in this movie, and if you don't get it right, then a lot of the movie will fall apart, so i got to mm-hmm. give it credit there.
1: What did you like, Chris, about it? I am conflicted about this movie because I thought the movie was really funny. I really thought it was funny. Um, and 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 you're going to get into my sort of weird way I look at movies a lot of times where just because a movie does one thing well doesn't mean the rest of it um, is something that I'm high on. But I think most of the time when it's trying to be funny, it's great. Um but when it's not trying to be funny that's where i have problems.
3: Yeah. Totally agree. I know exactly what you're so, talking okay. about. Okay, so
2: i think i know what it's coming down to where we all where i disagree with the two of you is probably with the emotional stuff cuz that stuff worked for me and it's sounding like it didn't work for you guys.
3: There is a scene in this movie where it's supposed to portray parental bonding yeah and it's one of the dumbest scenes i've ever seen in a marvel movie
1: really easily, oh, uh, you're easily,
3: talking about the catch easily <laughs> one of the dumbest but things that i've was ever purposeful. seen
2: purposeful <laughs> like they did that on purpose it was so dumb all dumbest. right i listen i, I want to have this out with you in the spoilers <laughs> oh, yeah. so we can go into some details about the scene i know the exact the exact scene <laughs> you're talking
1: about and uh <laughs> I,
2: and i and i know why you yeah, feel I, that I, way
1: I, you know what's it's funny i actually i put that on the side of the part of the humorous part that i liked so oh really um yeah i it's for me it's more about the there's there's just other things about it that i ultimately ruin you know ruin the entire well not the entire experience but ruin the movie on the whole for me so if
3: i think i'm agreeing on chris on i think what he's trying to say and if it i agree whenever they try and portray emotional like serious moments they try and trickle in a little bit of humor, but they, they trickle in a little too much, and it kind of ruins that emotional moment.
2: See, that I I completely, 100% feel the opposite as you. Okay.
3: And We're f- gonna, when spoilers, we can get into specific Some of the that.
2: detailed scenes. And there yeah. are several of them. This movie, yeah. it's like it's like that's what this movie was made to do, is to have these emotional moments that are also silly and funny. And I I was... In fact, it kind of blew my mind for me how much it worked, how much I was feeling the emotion of it, and at the same time, kind of laughing and even a bit rolling my eyes at the ridiculousness of it, Yeah, and it's that's really difficult to do, and I, for me, I felt like I gave the movie props for being able to pull that off as much as they did, and, and here's the other thing, and I'll mention this in the positives before we, we really kind of turn into the negatives, I love these characters. And I was yeah. blown away by how well they serve each character's story in this amount of time. Because they're serving not only their five main characters. Well, I guess four because, you know, Baby Groot's Baby Groot. You're not really serving a lot there. Just um, adorableness. Oh, just he's adorableness. So adorable. And he's so stinking. That's that's all my wife talked about all the way home was how adorable Baby Groot was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And and you're not only serving those four main stories, you're also serving some secondary stories in some pretty amazing ways too, mm-hmm. and and they all have they you know they all have that moment of something they learn or something they go through or something that you know and that's really hard to do for that many characters. Uh, so I I I applauded that as well.
3: I have one more pro that I would like to mention. So something that they definitely made better from the original one is we finally have a villain in this movie that has a personality. Mm. In Guardians 1, Ronan was bad because reasons. And in this one, the villain, I don't want to you know, say too much, but the villain actually has a personality. There's a backstory that you can kind of understand. The story makes sense. The story makes sense. Yeah. And there's a purpose for it. And I thought that, you know, that's really what was missing from the first one. Granted, the stuff there's more stuff that they got right in the first one than in this one that is one area they definitely improved on
2: man i was excited to have the conversation which one's better and it's obvious that you guys i'm sure feel the first one's much easily, better easily is
1: different. that true for you too yeah you, you
2: like the first one too chris
1: yeah i mean yeah the first one was a nice surprise and uh the the second one although what i'm most impressed with is how they didn't do the self-aware type of uh you know humor where I, I I was a little worried about it at, at, on the first action scene because there was some self awareness going on there, but throughout the rest of it, it was it you know the humor was really great, so I was really impressed with that, and I think it might even be f- on the whole funnier, a funnier movie. It's just not a better movie. Yeah,
2: I, I might be able to agree with. I think I might be able to land there that it's a, a funnier movie, but not necessarily a better movie. I think it's much closer. And- to as good to the first one as you guys probably do, but I think I still would put the first one just inches above this one, in my in my opinion.
3: Oh, well, hey, I'm glad you liked it as much as you did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can we start sending it? You want to start ripping on it?
2: Yeah. Uh, I do want to ask one more question before we do. Okay. Uh, I mentioned that I thought the story work uh, stuff worked, and you mentioned that the villain had a story that made sense, and did you feel like there were, that the plot and story part of this movie felt like it was cohesive enough for you, or did you feel like there were holes?
3: For this movie, yes. For the cinematic universe, it didn't fit in at all. Is
2: that a bad thing? I mean, like...
3: See, that's the thing, because we've always been complaining, why does every single Marvel movie have to tie into the next one? Mm -hmm. Here's one that really doesn't tie into this big, grandeur story as a whole, but for this, at the same time, I didn't think it was... As good a movie as the other ones, which is weird. The thing <laughs> I've been wishing for this whole time let me down.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. What about you, Chris? Yeah, this is the one of the big parts of why I didn't like this movie was the story. Um, the there's a point in this where there's nothing happening. There you, we don't know what the real reason we are it, we're watching this movie is, is until about two thirds of the way into it. Uh, We don't know who really, you know, who we're supposed to worry about or what sort of, you know, what sort of plot is in the air that we're like, oh, no, how are they going to solve this? Because they sort of dump it on you by the end of the movie. And uh, so they're they're sitting on a planet for a really long time and they're just having discussions about their relationships and stuff. Um, So you have, you know, you have a a lot of just – it's a lot of stuff that just doesn't doesn't work for me mm, Interesting. Um, so it takes a long time for this movie to be about what it's supposed to be about and uh yeah there's some things kind of hanging up in the air um leading into that or whatever but it's nothing that makes me go well why should i keep watching there's nothing in there that says that
2: interesting i i think there's a distinction to be made and maybe i maybe i'm wrong here between, uh, the plot and the themes. Because I think the themes are introduced early and I'm such a theme person. Like when I look at story, a lot of it for me is about, you know, are, is the theme cohesive? Uh, is the theme meaningful? Uh, those kind of things. And the, the family theme in this was introduced very early. Like you mentioned their relationships and, and working through those kind of things. And that's, that kind of ties the whole movie together for me. And because I was invested in the thematic part of the story, uh, I didn't notice what you're saying, which I think is correct, that the plot, the quote unquote plot part of the story, really kind of leaves you hanging for most of the movie. You really don't know what you're rooting for or what you want plot wise. Is that kind of, am I stating that correctly?
1: Yeah, that's my main issue with it, is I feel like, and, I, and we'll get into this in the spoilers, obviously, but. I feel like you if you're if you're any kind of savvy movie goer, you kinda know what is going to happen, Sure. Like you may not know the you may not know the exact way they get to it, but um but you you kinda already know that and they're sitting there they sort of waste our time getting to that point because I feel like they could have gotten to that a lot earlier and gotten into the main meat of this, and they still could have had the same kind of movie. You know, it's just that it takes it just takes it just takes forever to get to that point. I completely understand
2: what you're saying. I would only take issue with the phrase "waste our time" because they're giving us such fun stuff to look at. In you know the adventure, okay. poor stuff. choice
1: of words. Well, you know, yeah, poor but, cho- choice of words. But but, but that's, that's the- what I mean is is that it, it it doesn't it doesn't fill it in with you know you should just go ahead and get to what you're trying to get to, and then you can deal with all the other stuff,
2: so. yes, yeah, and I think the re what I'm saying is the reason that I wasn't aware of it, and I'm glad we're talking about it because uh it's a it's a valuable insight uh is because I was having so much fun, and again, that's what I mean when I say Marvel's trump card is the fun card if you're gonna have a fun time for most people, especially and you know. We all have different levels of, you know, the things that we watch or how intently we watch a movie. But if you're having a blast, you know, the other stuff you can kind of forgive it and kind of miss it. And you know, I I am certainly guilty of that. I'll sit in a seat and enjoy a good movie like this, and I'll just be like, I'm having fun. Yeah. And you know, it, it told me enough, and 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 uh, you know, made me feel enough that that I had a good time. I'm glad I saw it. Yeah.
3: I do agree with Chris that the pacing in this movie was off because there were parts whenever you finally got to an area of the movie like that progressed the story, in my mind I was going, man, you could have gotten to that part 20, 15 minutes earlier and it would have served better to cut out all that excess, you know, just to make it a more crisp, clean movie. Here's my main problem with this movie. The writing in the first one was sharp and crisp, and I loved it. The witty dialogue-driven banter of the first one is replaced with literal toilet humor. And I just... I thought the movie was could have been better than that. It should have been better than that. I remember
2: movie. one toilet joke, but I don't. I wouldn't have said that like this. I wouldn't have said like I. I would say that about a movie like Shrek or something like that, where it feels like every joke is kind of bathroom humor. But I thought a lot of these jokes were clever.
3: I found a lot of them along the lines of something you'd see in like a Judd Apatow or Seth Rogen movie. Really, I didn't. Really, get, really. I didn't get that
1: feeling at all, Chris. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know if I got to that point. I I, I found myself laughing in this movie, uh, quite a bit. Um... Uh, and even the bathroom humor one I thought was so absurd that um, that it was it was good enough for me like it wasn't just the fact that somebody you know farting or whatever it's you know it's not anything like that where where the bathroom humor is just oh well isn't that funny it makes funny noises and stuff like that this was more of a dialogue based bathroom humor and it was I thought it was funny
2: and and it's character based too yeah. it's part of that character yeah. we're talking about Drax yeah the, the Drax character mm-hmm. is probably my favorite humor wise in the series mine too and it's because steals the movie yeah it's because he is direct about everything so even when it's quote-unquote bathroom humor it's really funny because it's drax and you know he has no filters rather than it's funny because you're mentioning poop you know what i mean like there's a difference Mm -hmm.
3: there yeah don't get me wrong it's funny it's really funny i just preferred the humor of the first one where it was back and forth sharp jabs at each other that's the humor that i liked in the first one and another thing about this is if it wasn't toilet humor it was kind of nostalgic eight-bit humor like there were Mm. jokes that you would notice in like a scott pilgrim versus the world movie Uh and i was like really that doesn't belong in this oh it it so belongs in this that's the
2: whole sense of humor of this movie is that quirky goofy silliness like this is the movie it belongs in is what i'm saying it doesn't belong in iron man or you know those movies but if it's going to be in a movie this is the one
3: no i i disagree on that one just because it's the closest to that humor doesn't mean that it's still close enough i think that i think it's still separated enough to where like you leave all that stuff out like it they were it's hard to i can't explain too much without getting into spoilers but uh yeah I'll, i'll definitely touch on that one again
2: uh the main negative i had Was there's a lot of exposition in this movie. And it is also Mm -hmm. actually the same main negative I had with the first Guardians movie. There's a lot for us to have to know. And the reason it doesn't bother me to the extreme is because that knowledge is important to me feeling what I feel for these characters. And I think they give it to us in a fun enough way, Um, you know, uh, whether it be characters' powers or what they do or, you know, how they're going to work into the plot. They find a fun and clever way to give it to us, even though it's exposition. So, you know, there's a little bit of cherry flavoring in the cough syrup. And uh, that was enough for me to to let it go down. But I did notice a lot of exposition in the movie.
3: There's a race of beings introduced into this movie who are supposed to be in another branch of comedy. I found them annoying.
2: Yeah, I'm not even sure what (laughs) what you're talking about. Bring it back up again in the spoilers.
3: They're introduced at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Found them annoying.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you're supposed to find them annoying.
3: Yeah, but not not good annoying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, the more I'm talking about the the more I'm realizing, man, I had fun in this movie, but I just I didn't like. Uh, I liked it because I would watch it again. I had a good time, but for a critical review, I didn't think it was nearly as good.
2: Well, and that's and see, this is the other thing that I've talked about being a movie reviewer. One thing I've tried to uh, maintain is the idea of being a movie viewer versus being a movie critic. And I much lean towards just being a movie viewer to tell you kind of what your experience is going to be, you know, viewing the movie, those kind of things. I'm willing to talk about that other stuff. And I think that stuff can be valuable and important. But um, and I guess that's part of my role as a movie optimist, too, is just like, you know, giving it the benefit of the doubt, having a good time if you can have a good time. Um, And like if you're going to give me a choice between Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and half the stuff that's already come out this year man, go see this movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 a fun ride, even with, you know, the problems that you you guys are talking about and that I actually understand and agree with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What I
1: mean, about you, Chris? What are some other uh, negatives? The action, and this is something that I've always had a problem with, the Marvel movies, and that even goes all the way back to, you know, the... The hallowed ground of the Avengers and everything like that, but um, the action in this movie is, I think, awful. Um, generally, whenever you have characters who are essentially the same uh, strength at the end, and they're just throwing each other around and and you know that type of thing, and it's like, let's see how hard I can slam you into this, and here's here's a fist fight. And everything, I I just tune out. I just, I can't deal with it. And it's, there's so much stuff going on all at once, especially in that finale, um, that I, that I just, I get bored with that type of action. Um, I'm just looking for, I'm finally, I'm looking for one of these movies to do something that, um, where, you know, it's someone's strength. And, you know, someone has, they, the, you know, the two opponents have two different strengths and they have different weaknesses and they both try to exploit those weaknesses instead of just punching each other a bunch. It's Man of Steel and, uh, Yeah, it really is. And uh, apparently people saw Man of Steel and saw that ending and said, that's what I want to do in my movie. So there's yeah. been that a bunch lately. Um, so that happened a bunch. And then, and then now there is one, I thought clever action scene in this uh, and it's just because of the way it's presented and everything um, I mean in, in the end it's still just it's still you're still just dealing with drones but um, I, I think the uh, I think that one scene was good everything else though the that whole entire finale I, I was like just come on get on with it already
2: they do give you some uh, there's some subversiveness to how they approach the typical Marvel Stuff that that I appreciated. I, again, in spoilers, I can talk more specifically. But there are they intersperse moments of subversiveness through that typicalness that I like. Uh, there's a moment where uh, the two baddies are going at it, or you know, the two you know yeah, main people yeah. are going at it at the end, where you know you think it's going to be one thing, and then it's something completely ridiculous, and you know, so it's sub- subversive in that way. Um, there's the hero shot that every Marvel movie has is subverted, uh, at the end of it. Um, so, you know, I, I like that this movie is a little like that. Um, but I, I totally get your point. I see what you're saying, Chris.
3: Yeah. One last thing.
2: Uh, yeah, let's do one last thing. One last thing about the movie before we move on. Um, I'll start. My one last thing is I, and I say it every time I'm so tired of Stan Lee cameos. I, they, they're Mm -hmm. not funny to me uh they at this point they completely take me out of the movie the, he his cameo wasn't it actually wasn't the only cameo in the movie that that completely took me out of the movie there were a couple yeah uh, there were a couple moments where i was like yeah that didn't quite that didn't quite land like you wanted it to yeah that's my one last thing
3: james gold struck or james gunn struck gold with the first one this time he only hit copper
2: <laughs> that's
1: your mm, one last thing that mm. would if i were to write yeah. a
3: review that would be my title
2: nice yeah what about you what's your one last thing chris
1: I mean, I guess ultimately if if you like the first Guardians of the Galaxy, you're going to really like this one uh I just it wasn't it wasn't the same for me this time I agree.
2: So, there you go, man, I loved it so much more than you guys. I guess that's just my role is is to love things, but of like course, I, said, I just came off giving a movie a D minus so yeah.
3: <laughs> now, like I said, I had a lot of fun in this movie. I really did. I don't want it to come across as I hated the movie.
2: Our theater was full of laughter the entire time. We did see this in IMAX laser. Yeah, that is true so. as well. Should mention that. Maybe that's again why the visuals seem so incredible to me. Yeah. When it
1: went to full yeah, IMAX. I still have yet to experience that.
2: When it went to full IMAX, did you notice like do you notice that when you're when, watching an IMAX movie and it's boom. when yes. it goes full screen yeah. and you get the top and the bottom that you don't get at a regular theater? Mm-hmm. It's my it's mind blowing to me every time. Yeah. It's just like wow. Yeah, It fills up the entire room. So, yeah, I, I did enjoy that experience. So that that was a good part of it for sure. Let's move on to uh, the Best Ever Challenge. We'll do Best Ever Chris Pratt Movies. Each of us will pick three movies and uh, then some honorable mentions we'll talk about at the end. We'll go from number three to number one. If you've got a movie higher, feel free to Trump it and we'll talk about it when it comes to you. Trump. Uh, so let's start at number three. Andrew, why don't you kick us off? What's your number three best ever Chris Pratt movie? And again, just to clarify, not best ever Chris Pratt performances, best ever movies that Chris Pratt is in.
3: That's right, because this movie actually doesn't star Chris Pratt. He's in it, but it really stars Amy Adams, Joaquin Phoenix, and Scarlett Johansson. I'm going to go with her. Trump. Okay, I had a feeling. Mm.
2: Yeah, I will, I will Trump that one. All right. What about, uh, what about you, Chris? What's your number three?
1: My number three is Moneyball.
2: Nice. As
1: an honorable mention.
2: Yeah, I had that in my honorable mentions as well. Talk about it a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, of course, in, he, in this, he's not he's not a big character. He's playing Scott Hatterberg, who's a journeyman uh, catcher who they've converted into a first baseman. I um, love that scene. And Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, you know, is his it, first base very hard? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you'll learn it. And he's like, it's incredibly hard. It's like, you know, the... <laughs> The guy playing Ron Washington. Um, but like uh but yeah, um you know, Moneyball is obviously Brad Pitt's movie and you have a little bit of Philip Seymour Hoffman in there and Jonah Hill and um but I, I I love baseball so much and I've read the book of Moneyball and it was kind of interesting to see how they turned that into a drama and I think they turned it into a really good one. So I totally um, agree. That's so the biggest yeah.
2: surprise for me of, of Moneyball is is the subject matter. And the kind of movie they turned it into, it was genius. I was like, you know, that is exactly that is it's so weird because it's not a movie made for baseball fans. It's a movie made for movie fans. And I think a lot of Mm -hmm. times creators forget that when they're dealing with source material. They, you know, they think they have to go for a certain audience and man, make a great movie and everybody will enjoy it. So I think that's that's the key to Moneyball for me. All right. Uh, my number three is the Lego movie. Trump. I figured you might. Yeah. Mm. All right. What's your number two, Andrew?
3: Zero Dark Thirty.
2: Yeah, that's my number two as well. So is we can it... go ahead and talk about it. Okay.
3: Man, oh, that movie. Uh, I, I can't even, I don't even know where to begin. From from beginning to the end of that movie, I am drawn in and captivated by what is going on on screen. I think, especially the ending, the ending is like you can't look away because there's no music it's quiet and you just, it draws you in. And the whole movie is building up to that moment. What she goes through to Jessica Chastain, and what she goes through to try and get Bin Laden, I've never believed, I've I wanted, I never wanted to believe more in a character. I'm like, you can do it. Don't give up. <laughs> I know you can do it with that kind of de- determination. She steals that movie, and that, that ending scene just m- turns that movie up to 11.
2: She has some incredible moments in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. I, I think Chris Pratt is great in that movie, too. I love that band yeah. of, you know, anytime there's a band of brothers kind of thing going yeah. on with that kind of stuff, it, it always gets to me. <laughs> and he's
3: listening to Tony Robbins <laughs> on this way to kill Ben Laden.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good.
3: All right. Uh, yeah. Chris, you're you're number two.
1: Uh, strangely enough, I also have Zero Dark Thirty here. Oh, okay. oh, we all had it at number two. Nice. Did you want to say anything yeah. on it? Uh, no. Everything that you said is exactly what I uh, love about that movie. Um, the I I do love how this is, you know, her journey through all this, trying to get uh, Bin Laden and everything. Uh, you know, especially with the. You know, you see all the different scenes in there where, like, you know, she's in the she's in the boardroom and they want to get a percentage of uh, certainty, and she's like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. This is the so right great guy. guy, and. And, and then she says, okay, 99% says I know that a, a total certainty freaks you guys out, but you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, and then like, uh, you know, of course her continuing to go up and and erase the amount of days it's been since, you know, she, the last information she had was could be used or whatever. And it's like 90 days or whatever it gets, gets super long. And it's like the more and more they wait, the more he could move out of that compound, um and then yeah by the end of it like you said that very final scene where she's on the plane by herself and she Ooh. just breaks down is uh is is excellent but yeah Chris Pratt you know <laughs> sort of sort of secondary to all this but yeah it, it is funny that he's listening to Tony Robbins on the yeah. His mission it's pretty awesome
3: uh, I have to ask a question I know we've already started this is only movies right
2: Yes. Okay. You can't throw Parks and Rec in there. I can't throw Parks and Rec. Okay.
3: okay. That would be my number one. Okay. <laughs> well,
1: because it would probably be number one out of yeah, all this. Exactly. I mean, if you were, if you were to go with like Chris Pratt performances, I would, I would definitely put it number one.
2: Yeah, and, and what a great performance! Parks and Rec. What? How many careers did that show launch? Like, it's just incredible. All of them. Yeah. Well, it launched well Pol- all the careers. Well, Polar was already, you know, a known quantity, really. But everybody else, you think of like Offerman and a season, and you know they were just kind of working their way up
3: because i only remember what's, nick offerman from two movies before that men yeah. who stare at goats and uh, wrist
0: cutters
1: those are the only
3: two movies mm. i know him from so
2: interesting
1: what's weird about that show is it never was a big ratings type of show but, yeah but basically a bunch of people got way too big for it by the time it was by the time it was you know getting to its what was it six seven seasons yeah something like that um um, you know, it, it, people got way too big base, you know, I mean, Chris Pratt was, uh, already was, he was, I can't remember if he had done Jurassic world or guardians or something like that, it was something big. And he had already just gotten to that point where he was just. Way too big for that show. You see him on the show and you're like, wow, it's just, it doesn't seem right anymore.
3: Yeah, because he just did Zero Dark 30. And then I guess it was a couple months he had to try and get fat again just to get back to playing Andy. But he yeah. didn't get fat enough. And everybody was like, wow, well, you lost a lot of weight over the summer. He's
2: like, yeah, I stopped drinking beer. <laughs> How much beer were you drinking? It's <laughs> amazing. Uh, all right, let's go to our number ones. Andrew, kick us off. You know what my number
3: one is? I it's, do. It's the Lego Movie. Oh, I can't tell you how much I love this movie. It was my number one movie of 2014. And what do you think it is? Why
2: do you, Why do you think it's like uh, next level for you?
3: Because everybody in this movie is perfect. Like there could not have been a better cast of actors for those specific roles. Morgan Freeman is brilliant. He's one, if not the funniest part of that movie, Liam Neeson is hilarious. I think Will good. Arnett's the
2: funniest part of that movie.
3: Lego Batman. Yeah. he's Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the best Batman.
2: That ever. whole movie is the funniest part of that movie.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, can, mm. can I spoil something from the Lego, Lego movie? <laughs> can I go ahead? Sure, go ahead. Morgan Freeman's death is, I was crying, I was laughing so hard. There's something I have to tell you, it'll change the course of history. <laughs> 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 and then uh what's what's his name is it a uh, charlie uh or charlie day or what's his name mm-hmm. yeah spaceship yeah. spaceship yeah oh it's the best mm. oh i love it there's it's the perfect movie it's the perfect movie it's, in it's my top, lot of fun it's in my top 100 of all time
2: it does it does mm-hmm. that quick rapid fire humor style yeah better than almost any movie i've ever seen you yeah. know um so yeah it's it's great stuff
1: what's your number one chris uh i have her As my number one, Um, the, and I love Lego movie too. I I have it uh, as sort of an honorable mention here, but when I was comparing it to these other three movies, I was like, well, I like all, I think all these other three movies are better than it, but you know, sort of have the same issue. I mean, the same, not issue, but same thing here. Lego movie might be the more entertaining out of all those, out of all those uh, movies. But I think as far as best and you know, overall quality um, I'm going to go her on this. I am with you.
2: That's my number one as well. Um I that movie uh it nailed me. And I mentioned earlier how much I'm a sucker for themes and thematic material in man, I I did not know Spike Jones had that like in him. Like that was just mm-hmm. like Is that his best movie? Uh well I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I in and, hmm. and I here's what it is for me. You know what it is for me? All the the futuristic sci fi movies you see, you can go, oh, th- things could, it could end up being like that. Cars could end up being like that. With her, I walked out going, oh, that is how the that future is going to be. Yeah. That is absolutely the future. And yeah. it just, it feels so real. It just feels like that is exactly where we're heading with computer technology. And I mean, other than maybe, and maybe this is a little spoiler, uh, maybe other than, what the AI in that movie ends up doing might be a little out there, but but still, just the concept of the technology was just so real to me. And I love Joaquin, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's performance in that movie. I think it's subtle and brilliant and wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. So that's my number one.
3: I didn't mean to laugh over yeah. that. I was just reading the comments. No,
2: I saw that. You, yeah. you had a much better answer for why you like the Lego movie, yeah. which is everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Is awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. <right>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> good good job, the BDG. Uh You
2: guys want to mention some uh, honorables?
3: I only have uh, three because uh, Moneyball was already mentioned. Uh, yeah. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I thought The Magnificent Seven was a fun movie. It's not a good mm-hmm. movie, but it's a fun movie. That,
2: it's not close to a good movie, but you're right. There are, there are some fun moments in that.
3: Yeah. If anybody mentions Passengers, then I will debate you that that's a good movie. Please don't do it. We've already had yeah. that debate on this podcast. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, you're going to be outnumbered on this one because mm-hmm. Aaron and I both like Jurassic World. It's a fun movie. It's, oh, a, it's a fun movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry.
1: It's a fun movie for me to poop on, as you know, one of our great stand-up comics has said. That's yeah. right. One um, of the greats. Yeah. <laughs> Uh no you're you're totally fine to like Jurassic World I hate it I hate it so much um but uh, my other mention here would be the first Guardians yeah yeah um, we're, it's worthy of a mention so so I I'll, I'll put that there and yeah you guys can wax poetic about Jurassic World <laughs>
3: honestly if the first or sorry the Jurassic World boils down to that final fight scene just being the kid in me is like. Move over, 30-year-old Andrew. This is my moment. I've waited uh-huh. for this for over 20 years to see this, and it's happening. Yeah. And it <laughs> <laughs> Uh
2: The only one that hasn't been mentioned that's in my honorable mentions is one of his first performances was actually in Angela Jolie's Wanted. Did you guys ever see Wanted? I hated that movie. Oh, you hated that movie. I, hated, I did. I don't that. remember him in it, though.
3: He's he's the one who gets hit in the face with the keyboard. He's the annoying... Yeah.
1: The annoying co- co-worker. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's been since it came out since I've seen it. So.
2: I actually have I I actually have a soft spot in my heart for uh Angelina Jolie action movies. I think she's a really good action star. I've I've enjoyed Wanted. I've enjoyed some of her other stuff. Was uh, it was Salt, Salt is the one I was thinking Salt, of. Salt <laughs> Salt is another one. So Salt and Pepper. Uh so yeah, so I, I enjoyed that one for what it was. Um it's not it's not a horrible movie. I know it's you know, it didn't win any Oscars or anything, but well, hey, you, it's interesting you, that you remember it enough to like hate it.
3: Yeah, well, I remember because whenever you hate a movie, you remember it. So
2: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I mean, he's been in some other stuff, but you know, nothing I, necessarily worth mentioning.
3: Honestly, I think a lot of people are just like, no, just it, it's Parks and Rec, and that's why he doesn't have that many that big grandeur of like an IMDb page of like, oh, he's been in this amazing movie. He's a he's a superstar, but it's because of Parks and Rec, and then he became the funny fat guy who became the funny ridiculously handsome guy. <laughs> so, it's it's just mm-hmm. not fair.
2: He he has a charm that is it's hard to resist. Yeah. You know, he's he's a really funny dude and there are just certain people on screen. I noticed this during watching Guardians uh yesterday. There're just certain people who belong on a big screen and he's he's one of them and you know, he's just he's a fun cool dude. I think so. if
3: you put him and The Rock in a movie together, just the charismatic, charming nature of both of those guys would be too you, much to handle. The
2: universe would implode.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Uh, you, I think that's got to happen in the next three years, right? There's got to be a Pratt Rock movie yeah. about is like in the works. Somebody's got to have that going. Yeah. Well,
2: I feel like honestly, I feel kind of the same way a little bit about Zac Efron. He's really likable too, and oh, so yeah. we've got Baywatch coming up with The Rock and Efron. So we'll see. Maybe the world will cease yeah. to exist. I'm excited for that one. we move on to uh, the final moments of the podcast uh did want to mention the patreon feed if you are a supporter of the studio dna podcast network you get a special podcast feed that has all the bonus material already in it so all the pre-shows Uh, Like, for instance, during our pre-show today, uh, Chris did his list of shame, mentioned four movies that he hadn't seen and one that he had. We tried to guess which one. So that's available to all of our Patreon supporters at any level. All you got to do is support at Patreon.com slash Studio DNA. Thank you for doing that. It really is what makes this podcast and others possible on the network. So thank you for doing that. All right, before we get to the finish, uh, let's go on a sift quest. Each week, we will venture forth together on a quest for answers. If you have burning pop culture questions, need an argument settled, or have a cultural conundrum, simply tweet me at Aaron Dicer or email feedback at SIFPop.com. Today's CIF Quest was launched by Brian via email. Here's the question. What's an amazing scene from a movie you hate? For instance, I can't stand the Matrix sequels, but love that freeway scene in Reloaded. What do you guys think? Chris we will start with you. What's a, an amazing scene that you love watching in a movie that you absolutely hate?
1: Okay, so I have one easy one and one uh more obscure one. Um in the in the easy one would be Star Wars The Phantom Menace's fight between Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan. That was one of mine. You stole um, mine. Yeah, that's I that think that's the mine. perfect example. Yeah. Oh,
3: man, I got It's the
1: easiest think of one. Now. Yeah, yeah sure. unfortunately, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to, to have stolen that, but it's, it really is the easiest one. The one that I have as far as obscure is, uh, it's not a movie I hate necessarily, uh, but it's, I don't remember it being all that great. Uh, we Own the Night, which had Joaquin Phoenix and Robert Duvall in it. Uh, there is a an amazing car chase shootout scene in the rain. In that scene, in that movie, and it's just the way they do the sound and the way they they cut it together and everything uh, it was one of the most memorable moments in a movie that I think is ultimately forgettable, but uh, it was really good. That's, that's a good example. Would
3: you mind going next while I think of
1: something? No, I can I can go. Um,
2: I, I I do want to go back to that that uh, Darth Maul fight because man, I have just gone back and watched that scene. Over and over and over again. There is something so incredible about that moment where they are separated by that uh, electronic beam, and you know Qui Gon is just gone, and and he's just like wait, like he's like hopping, like waiting for that thing to come down to go back after Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Like it just the adrenaline in that moment is absolutely incredible. Um, I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm gonna go with the angel scene in X Men: The Last Stand. Uh, I didn't particularly like The Last Stand, but that stuff where it goes into Angel's childhood and him growing up, and it's really emotionally deep and emotionally powerful, and uh, stands out to me as a as a really good scene in an otherwise uh, bad movie. Did I give you mm-hmm. enough time to find a, a a substitute, Andrew?
3: Yeah. Uh, actually, I just thought of one. Uh, so movie I really did not like was The Counselor. I don't know if you guys saw that one or not. It's the uh, Ridley Scott not, movie that has think. like every A-list actor in the world, and it's written by Cormac McCarthy. It had everything going for it. You had this brilliant cast, brilliant director, brilliant writer, and it was a terrible, terrible
1: movie. But the opposite of the producers, basically. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah, they wanted this movie to be a success, um, and mm-hmm. there's a. a There's a death scene for, uh, I'll just go ahead, It's Brad Pitt's death scene is like one of the most haunting things to watch, but it's so captivating, you're like, you can't look away from it, and uh, it's the only good part of that entire movie.
2: I just thought of another one. Uh, The Hobbit movie overall is not a movie I love. I wouldn't say I hate it, I guess. But that riddles in the dark scene uh, is Mm -hmm. absolutely astonishing. Uh, And I think it comes down to the fact that those are the two best actors in the movie doing amazing work.
0: Yep, Uh, that's the Hobbit uh,
2: Martin Freeman and Andy (laughs) Serkis. So, uh, yeah, that's another one I could watch that scene over and over and over again in a movie that overall I was really disappointed by. That would be one of my other choices. Uh, Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. Thanks for taking us on that SIFT quest. Uh, If you'd like to take us on a SIFT quest, all you got to do is let us know. Again, you can hit me up on Twitter. That's at Aaron Dicer, or you can send an email. It's feedback at siftpop.com. If you'd like to ask a question of us, uh, really anywhere you ask a question, if we find it, uh, SoundCloud, wherever uh, we can put it on the show. Before we close out, let's do some Buried Treasure. What's the one thing in pop culture that you want to let people know about can be from any area of pop culture? I'll go ahead and go first uh, this time. Um, already mentioned this because you were doing quotes from the show. I just started watching Rick and Morty.
3: Good for you. Um,
2: two seasons down, short seasons, short episodes, was really quick to binge the first couple seasons. And actually, I think there's one episode of the third season that's come out like mm-hmm. as a surprise on April 1st. I think they... They launched it as a surprise. So good. I've only I haven't seen the last two episodes of season two, and I haven't seen the first episode of season three. Mm-hmm. So I've worked my way through it. I will say this about the show: number one, I was really surprised by how adult it is. I didn't realize it was that adult. <laughs>
3: oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Like it is. When they say Adult Swim, they mean Adult Swim, uh, yeah. and that that surprised me. Uh, I will also say this: it is hilarious. Uh, it is it is really funny, not just because of the character work and the writing. It's really funny because of the sci-fi stuff, the sci-fi stuff that they I I don't I almost don't want to say parody because they almost do their own like real version of it is really smart. You can tell they've got some people on staff or at least uh, some consultants that are from the scientific community because some of that stuff is brilliant. Yeah. So it's it's really funny scientifically very smart. The sci-fi stuff is really clever. Um and it's hilarious. But yes, be forewarned. It is very much an adult show, not for kids.
3: Well, Dan Harmon
2: and that, Justin Roiland are geniuses. Same guy so. behind Community, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that it yep. makes a lot of sense.
1: That is a another show that I need to get into. It's something that I think everybody um who has ever seen it has told me that I need to watch. Uh, I have seen uh one or two episodes of it and I liked it. It was uh but I just never thought to like just go and try to find a way to binge it ever so like my whole my whole you know rick and morty thing has been trying to find it on adult swim and usually it's not on at the time that i flip over so um yeah it's something that i'll have to binge at some point i know it's i know it's good were you surprised by the continuity that
3: went throughout the entire series yes
2: yeah that's another really cool thing about it is you know so many comedies and it's understandable they just they do their episode and then they throw all that stuff out and do a new episode you know yeah in the in this really has some callbacks uh almost every episode there are great callbacks going on so yeah yeah it's it's really interesting in that way and i like it
3: chris what is your buried treasure
1: I, I i guess i got a couple on this one too one is um love on netflix uh there's a there's two seasons of it uh stars paul rust and gillian jacobs who from the aforementioned community is on on it um i thought i think the show is pretty well done uh, it's a judd apatow backed uh show um but it's kind of like it's i don't know it's got a got some nerdy bent to it because paul rust is definitely that you know he plays that kind of nerdy guy or whatever but there's a lot of like fun fun things in it, and in addition to being a pretty good you know romantic comedy type of show the other one would be billions on showtime oh I yes think that's a good show the this um, season has been uh,
2: incredible hasn't
1: it it's been a great season and the last episode that came out was one of the better episodes of television i'd seen in uh, in quite some time um so uh yeah this season has is been better than the first season which i thought was a pretty good start and this one is, has been great, and this last episode that came out was awesome. So
2: yeah, there's something about uh, that they're really locking in on about the relationship between Giamatti's character and uh, what's the guy's name who was in Homeland? Um, uh,
1: uh, Damian Lewis. Yeah, yeah, Lewis.
2: They're they're really locking in on what makes that relationship exciting and interesting to watch, and I think season mm-hmm. two has has taken full advantage of that. Uh, yeah, you're right. The the final episode the last episode I saw is it the is it the finale of the season or is there another one coming? yeah uh,
1: there's one more I believe coming up because they've sort of I think that was penultimate. they sort of set up something for you know the uh, the next episode which will probably lead us into the next season or whatever. I don't know how that show does ratings wise, but I think it's great that you were talking about that dynamic of the relationship and everything there's no decision that these guys can make that doesn't. Like they can they can hurt the other guy, but there's always a sort of a consequence to what mm-hmm. they do. Yeah, and exactly. I think that's why it's so interesting to me. Um, because every time they go for a play, it's like, yeah, I'm going to get him to do this, but it also comes back on them somehow. So it's uh, I love how that does that.
2: And Giamatti is so good. He's just such a great actor. Oh yeah,
3: I've been on the fence about trying to pick up that show. Like whether I should do it or not. So you guys think I should
2: go ahead and do yeah, it? Yeah, I, I I'd give it a huge recommend. Okay, it's it's one of those shows that's exciting to watch because mm-hmm. it's like people trying to you know one up each other or you know pull the you know rug out from somebody. I'm like it's like there's some real clever plotting that happens in the show that that I really enjoy. So.
1: And uh, one of the one of the guys behind it, Brian Koppelman, has his own podcast. He he yeah. does. Uh, he has a big podcast, and he also was one of the writers uh, of rounders for people who love poker type uh. stuff. Uh, he was one of the big, he was one of the, you know, writers of that, so, um, yeah, th- I had heard him on his podcast talking about this show for a long time, and and yeah, he's they think they've hit it their stride this season. Uh, the
2: podcast, by the way, is called The Moment with uh, Brian Koppelman, and he talks to famous people about kind of the defining moment in their career and those kind of things the moments me
3: yeah what do you got andrew i have a web series that i picked up that is fascinating to watch okay it's called day five have you heard of this no not at all
2: so Mm.
3: it's about this worldwide epidemic it's sci-fi so keep that in mind and it's also very adult because of what goes on on the show so day five is about this worldwide epidemic that goes across the world where if you fall asleep you will die And it's people having to stay awake for days upon days until somebody can find a cure. So it starts you off on the fifth day. Like every now and then it goes back and forth and it shows you like day one through four. Mm -hmm. But it It starts off on day five and people are – I'll go ahead and say They have to take like cocaine and amphetamines and crack just to stay awake. Yeah, absolutely. So it's people like hallucinating it's very psychedelic. If the choice
2: the, was cocaine or death, I'd choose cocaine.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. people like hallucinating and stuff because, you know, your mind goes crazy after a while without sleep. So w- what these people start seeing and stuff is like, it's horrifying and like seeing what people will do to stay awake, like stabbing themselves, you know, just mm-hmm. to get that adrenaline rush. And it's very captivating. It's wow. actually, surprisingly, it's a rooster teeth show. Oh, interesting. So if you like hmm. Red versus Blue or Ruby or anything, it's their uh, drama series, live action, and the main guy is a Heath Ledger doppelganger. It's creepy like hmm. how much he looks like Heath Ledger.
2: Wow. Is yeah. he as talented as Heath Ledger? I don't see this guy winning an Oscar, but okay.
3: uh, he's not bad it's a fun show I well, especially for a web
2: series you know, yeah. to, you, you, know you think of uh, it's not necessarily on a major network or anything like that yeah uh,
3: six episodes in season one they say they're filming season two right now I really recommend it cool
2: yeah. well there you go we did it guys hey. well done awesome. <laughs> podcasting has happened so much for joining us today. Sif Pop is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M dot slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks again to today's guru, Chris from Cinema Sins in the Whee! Syncast. Yay! Chris, you got anything that uh, you want to plug, let people know about?
1: Uh, I mean yeah, you can go to the Sincast, uh about everywhere where podcasts can be found. And of course we uh are the people behind Cinema Sins, everything wrong with on youtube so completely different experiences probably <laughs> you know what that's good that's a good thing to say
2: because i think people might not understand that people who love cinema sins uh may not realize that the podcast is really in many ways much more i, I don't know how to put it other than to say like movie positive you know it's you guys right. loving movies as opposed to finding the you know the nitpicky things uh wrong with them for humor's sake you know one is I, yeah, the the podcast to me feels like a more authentic look into who you guys are and how you really feel about movies, whereas the everything wrong with videos are a comedic entertainment piece. Does that make sense?
1: That is absolutely correct. So, I can not yeah. say it better than myself.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I think that's important to know uh, and uh, if you love movies, uh, I think the Sincast will be uh, a lot of fun for you. Again, like everything else we've mentioned, Billions, Rick and Morty, You know, uh, it is an uh, adult podcast.
1: Yeah, we, we swear on that podcast <laughs> quite a bit.
2: That is the short way to say it.
1: yeah. that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That is correct. <laughs> Much love and gratitude also to our
2: Patreon supporters for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at $3 a month month comes with some pretty fun perks you can find out more at patreon.com slash studio dna and if you want to connect there's a lot of ways to do so Uh, you can do that at soundcloud you can tweet at us uh, hit up itunes or you can email us feedback at sifpop.com and finally if you're having a good time your movie loving friends will probably like it too so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than making 700 consecutive space jumps Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be up next in your podcast feed, and we will see you back next week, probably for some talk on King Arthur, I'm guessing. Aww. <laughs> so we'll
3: see you really? then. Aha, uh-huh. you have to watch King Arthur, <laughs> and I don't. Haha. Uh-huh. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.